0: 12 to 1 on Money FM
1: 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time for our Australia update and to check in with broadcast journalist Jason Dacey, who's all the way out in Brisbane. Welcome back to the show, Jason. How are you? I'm doing fine, Adrian.
0: Good afternoon to you and all the Money FM listeners on this Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, let's start with something that's been dominating the news headlines, Reserve Bank of Australia. Now, they've raised interest rates for the first time, get this, since November 2010, from 0.1 to 0.35 and with more rises to come. How are people reacting to this news?
0: Well, Adrian, it was expected that the Reserve Bank of Australia would increase interest rates, which it did on Tuesday after that. Inflation figure of more than 5%. So for the first time in more than 11 years, as you mentioned, a 25 basis point hike, taking the cash rate target to 0.35% from a record low 0.1%. And the banks passing that on to their customers here in terms of mortgage rates. So just to give you an idea, would add about $65 a month to repayments on a $500,000 mortgage and double that amount on a $1 million loan. Commonwealth Bank was the first major bank to respond, raising its standard variable mortgage rate by 25 basis points across the board from May the 20th, while ANZ will lift rates by the same amount from May the 13th. So it's uh, you know not good news if you've got a home like I do, but we are expecting many more rate hikes before the end of the year because the economy is doing very well in Australia and we are seeing the inflation rate going up. Things are so expensive. I just did the shop for the family. Uh, Earlier today, and uh, yeah, we're paying more. I think I paid more than $250 for a fairly modest shop without any meat. Uh, That gives you an idea of how expensive things have become here in Australia.
1: Yeah, prices are going up all around the world, it seems. Just everything is just getting more and more expensive. Elsewhere, the federal election, May 21st. That is very, very soon. And, you know, just two weeks ago, opposition Labour Party still ahead of the Liberal National Party in polling. How is Anthony Albanese, the opposition leader, doing compared to Prime Minister Scott Morrison?
0: Well, we remember we spoke about this before, that the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, had a terrible start to the election campaign. He couldn't list the official cash rate and he couldn't list the official unemployment rate. And he improved after that, but then he got COVID. He was out for a week. So he's back in the last few days uh, working very, very hard. But again, struggling at times to kind of list particular parts of uh, the opposition's policies uh, in detail. And he got uh, caught again on a gotcha question just yesterday. Yes, he's struggling a bit, but people really don't like Scott Morrison, the prime minister. And I think if there was more time to go, the um, Liberal National Party may have changed its leader. They're stuck with Scott Morrison. He's very unpopular. He's been in power uh, for the last uh, almost four years. So it's uh, whether the devil you know or the devil you don't, neither leader is very impressive. But as you mentioned, Labour holding a, a slim lead over the Liberal National Party heading towards the May 21st election here in Australia.
1: Yeah, very interesting election. Uh, Coming up, all eyes will be on Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison. What about the independent candidates in Sydney and Melbourne? How will their results prove crucial to everything that's happening around? Well, as I mentioned,
0: you know, neither Scott Morrison nor Anthony Albanese are particularly impressive. So that means that people are looking beyond the Labour and Liberal National Party. So in many of the big cities in the inner city areas where there are educated people, there are affluent people, a lot of the voters are looking towards independent candidates who often tend to be women. And for example, in Kooyong in Melbourne, uh, the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, is facing a big challenge from an independent there. And in different parts of Sydney, in North Sydney, where my mother lives, there's uh, some very strong independent contenders there, including Kylie Tink, who are looking to maybe overthrow the current incumbent North Sydney Liberal candidate or Liberal Member of Parliament, Trent Zimmerman. So we're I grew up in North Sydney, it's pretty much been Liberal candidates and Liberal MPs since uh, World War II. So this is something that's uh, we're seeing in the big cities across Australia because of the voters being very fed up with the major parties. And it could mean that we see the independents hold the balance of power in the parliament, just like they did between 2010 and 2013 when Julia Gillard, Australia's first prime minister, was in charge so I reckon if I was going to make a prediction now, Adrian, I would say that Labor would win the election, but only in the minority government and these independents in the big cities will hold the balance of power. And Scott Morrison, who's from Sydney, um, is actually the member for the area south of Sydney. He hasn't even gone to these inner city areas because uh, I think he's sort of given up on, on winning them. So we are seeing a bit of a polarisation of Australian politics following the US model where the so-called liberal elites, uh, you know, the small L liberal elites uh, are kind of polarized from the working class people who aren't so keen on climate change, who aren't so keen on, you know, having that sexual diversity and also, you know, allowing uh, gay and lesbian people to be so prominent in society. So that this is the way it seems that Australia is heading,
1: a bit like the U.S. Yeah, what a remarkable election this is uh, shaping up to be. 21st of May. We will find out who is going to be the next prime minister. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, broadcast journalist based in Australia, getting the latest headlines from down under. This segment would not be complete uh, if we didn't talk a little bit about COVID. Cases are surging once more in Western Australia. New infections past 10,000 a day. We're seeing infections rise all around the world, but individuals and governments are learning to live with COVID. But how is Western Australia reacting to this?
0: Well, so many Singaporeans and so many Malaysians have visited, uh, uh, maybe even lived in Perth because of its proximity to Southeast Asia. It's the closest major capital city to Southeast Asia. I know Darwin's a bit closer, but that's not a major capital city, but it is a bit of a concern, Western Australia being the last state to open its border borders to relax its uh, COVID restrictions. As you mentioned, 10,182 new cases of COVID-19. Yesterday, we saw hospitalizations increasing by more than 10% to 271, six deaths being recorded So, you know, the Premier Mark McGowan is a bit concerned about this, but he is happy that the high vaccination rates are protecting a lot of Western Australians. But, yeah, this is a a bit of a worry because I guess the rising case numbers don't tell the whole story because we don't see a lot of people who aren't elderly with a major sickness. So that's a very, very good thing. But, yeah, as Australia gets back to normal, There are these little pockets of concern across the country. And it's funny, isn't it, that it's often the states that were protected in 2020 and 2021, like Queensland and Western Australia, that really feel the bite when the state borders reopen, which they have, of course, uh, a few months ago. But, yeah, a lot of the restrictions have been dropped all across Australia So I guess we just have to expect these kind of um, infections to increase.
1: Yeah, Speaking of borders reopening, Queensland tourism are targeting uh, Singaporean travellers to the Gold Coast for the June school holidays. There have been a lot of people from Singapore flying into Australia over the last month or so, particularly with this long weekend that just passed. Uh, You know, what's what's the general atmosphere like there? Because so many people are coming uh, from all over the world, not just from Singapore.
0: Well, I know people in Queensland tourism are very keen to get Singaporeans coming back to Queensland, and that definitely means the Gold Coast, it means Brisbane, it means the Sunshine Coast, it means Cairns and the Great Barrier Reef, because I know a lot of Singaporeans have been concerned about how tricky it is to get back down to Australia. Well, now all the restrictions have eased and we've got lots of flights uh, between Queensland and Singapore, scoot to the Gold Coast. Of course, we've got Singapore Airlines flying three times daily to Brisbane, Qantas three times a week to Brisbane. So it is very easy to get back to Australia and to Queensland. And I know, you know, when I was in Singapore living there for so many years, I would go with the family down to the Gold Coast and stay there. And I would get these passes and get to the theme parks, whether it's movie world, whether it's wet and wild, dream world, sea world, and you can get a pass special deals. There's something called Klook, K-L-O-O-K. It's a website where you get great discounts. So you might get a three attractions pass for the family for $235 Sing or a four attractions pass for $314, which is pretty good value when you factor everything in. So yeah, get on a flight, come down to Brisbane or the Gold Coast and enjoy this uh, wonderful sunshine state. I know that for me, I just feel that now the shackles are off. I want to get traveling again. And like you, Adrian, I know you've just traveled recently to Thailand. It's just so enjoyable to get out and about again and experience different cultures and be with the family and friends because for two years, we were just locked down pretty much. There were so many restrictions on us. So I reckon you've got to live life as if you know this is your last week on the planet and make the most of it.
1: Yeah, cabin fever was real for the last two years, but it's so nice that we can you know, move around A lot more freely compared to what we had to go through, Uh, you know, what what almost felt like forever. But now it's, uh, you know, on the mend. Before I let you go, Jason, tell me a little bit about your trip to Sydney. You were there visiting your aunt who turned 90 and you visited your mother as well, who is 87 years old and uh, also caught up with some school friends. What was that like? Yes, really what we were talking about before, Adrian, isn't it? That we haven't been able to do
0: these kind of things for the last couple of years easily It was my first trip by myself for over a year, staying with my mum on the lower North Shore of Sydney. And we actually got together with these school friends at a Chinese restaurant near where we went to school in uh, Crow's Nest on the lower North Shore of Sydney. I went to North Sydney Boys High. And we were really remembering a friend of ours, Etienne Feldman, who uh, was a popular kid at school who I hadn't seen that much uh, in recent years. But sadly, he died of cancer just a a few weeks ago. And uh, we kind of remembered him at this dinner about 12 of us there we also remembered our other friend marcus kringus who died uh you know about 18 months or 15 months earlier you know the fittest guys that you could possibly meet they were both martial arts black belts uh pretty healthy you know living the way that they went about their business but it's so unpredictable you know now that i've passed 60 you know you never know what's gonna happen next so that was good we had this gathering with family we got together for my aunt's 90th birthday at a nursing home in Ashfield in the inner west of Sydney. My mum baked a delicious chocolate cake. All my brothers were there and we gathered there and we, you know, told stories and we made a cup of tea. Uh, so it's so nice to, to do that. And I also dropped into the ABC where I'm doing work in Sydney and walked around Haymarket, the Chinatown area, which I know many of your listeners would be familiar with. So a really good trip for me to Sydney, but very happy to come back to Southeast Queensland because I reckon Brisbane is the best city in Australia because it's so relaxed, it's got the best weather And it's also very multicultural now.
1: Yeah, glad that you had such a nice time, Jason, visiting your family out in Sydney. It's just so fulfilling, you know, having not been able to do it as uh, freely over the last couple of years. But now you can finally see familiar faces. And it's just, you know, an incredible time. We've been in conversation with Jason Dacey, broadcast journalist based in Brisbane, getting the latest headlines from Australia. Thank you so much and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Happy weekend to you, Adrian, and all the
0: FM listeners. And looking forward to the exciting finish to the Premier League season after this week's UEFA Champions League semifinal results. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.